It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pumped hydro. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at bzetechshow. My name is Natalie Bucknell and I'm joined today by my co-hosts Laura Perry and Mike Steindl. Hi Nat. G'day Nat, g'day Laura. And hello to all our listeners. So listeners, you may remember we previously interviewed Alison Crook, a key player in setting up Anova Energy, the renowned community energy business in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. Tony Pfeiffer is the Managing Director of Anova Energy. Tony has more than 34 years of experience in the utility sector in Queensland and South Australia. He's worked as a Senior Executive in Business Strategy, Economic Management, Operational Management and Business Performance most recently with Ergon Energy Queensland. We're really glad to have the chance today to talk to him and get an update on Anova's recent activities and the policy context that the business is operating in. Welcome, Tony, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, Natalie, uh, Laura and Michael, hi, how are you? Really good. G'day. Great, thanks, Tony. Great to have you on board. Tony, as just mentioned, we, we spoke with Alison last year, so it's really good to get the chance to catch up on developments at Anova at sort of 12 months down the track. So, But for those listeners who are not so familiar with Anova Energy, can you give us a brief background on the business and its objectives? Sure. Actually, I might even go a little bit further back than that, but I will be quick. Um, so back in uh, uh, 2000, well, in fact, even prior to 2014, around the time of the uh, uh, coal seam methane gas blockades and the Lock, Lock the Gate campaign, particularly in the Northern Rivers, there was a real push to sort of uh, move away from a carbon-based economy and uh, the people who were involved in those did see that there needed to be an alternative future and that was in a renewable future. And then in 2014 in a uh, community power congress that was held in Canberra, um, significant discussions were held and it was identified that there was a gap in trying to create this community uh, renewable approach and that was that you needed to have your own retailer basically who was part of that community movement. The Office of Environment and Heritage here in New South Wales then uh, uh, put through a competitive process, um, a uh, grant uh, for you know, uh, proponents to develop uh, a business plan uh, and a feasibility study about developing a community energy retailer. Um, and as a consequence, ANOVA was born through that process. And uh, um, yeah, it's been a, a great journey thus far. We actually commenced operations in uh, early June of last year. I think on June the 5th, we ended up with our first uh, customer. Uh, that was uh, in 2016. Um, so now here we are in uh, middle of November 2017, uh, three and a half thousand customers. Uh, employing uh, 15 uh, local uh, people in, in, in our business. 
Um, and the, the business is, uh, you know, ticking over quite well. We are keen um, to try and uh, grow that uh, customer base uh, and accelerate that over the next six months. Um, uh, but we've taken, uh, I guess, our time over the first uh, you know, 15 to 18 months to make sure that we bed the business down, get the, the operation working uh, well. And now we're in a position where we think we can start to accelerate that. Uh, and in, when I say accelerate that, it is basically accelerating it in the encouragement of renewables. So uh, we are looking to really encourage renewables. We have, um, you know, prided ourselves on the basis that we are offering uh, previously in the first six months of this year the highest feed-in tariff available in the uh, New South Wales market. Um, I will say we're not the highest, but we're certainly up there now. That the market is very, very competitive, but we are certainly uh, up in that high echelon with everybody in relation to feed-in tariffs. Um, and what that does also is, in fact, encourages the local solar industry. So our local solar industry really likes what Inova's doing because the fact that we're offering a high uh, feed-in tariff mm. helps the economics of their uh, their processes work a lot better. And so it, it, it helps build their sales, builds the uh, the economy around the solar industry locally. That's a great catch-up. Thanks, Tony. We're, go- we're going to get to your um, article on the, in, on the NEG and also your ACC submission, but just a couple more questions to fill in um, where you're up to and the, the initiatives you've been working on. You were hoping to enter the Sydney market, um, and, and just to say that 3.5k is fantastic in the, the first year, well done. Um, have you managed to enter the Sydney market yet? Uh, no, we're managing that uh, hopefully around about the middle of the uh, uh, first half of next year where we're looking to enter the Sydney market. We're working on those plans at the moment. We've got some system uh, uh, work we need to do to make that happen. But uh, no, that, that is still on our uh, journey. We are also working pretty hard with local community groups, uh, particularly in, say, Newcastle and Wollongong, because we want to make sure that, again, that the model that we take into those markets uh, reflects the community model that we are and ensures that we're able to benefit those local communities and we're not just seen as a uh, Northern Rivers community coming in trying to sell energy. Yep. So, so there's a couple of little twists there. Yep. The other things I will mention, too, that we are doing in, that spa- in the space of development I'm sure Alison talked about uh, the fact that Inova was established as a social enterprise, so you know, a, a commercial enterprise with a social purpose. Yeah, it's one of the exciting um, things have, about it. Yeah, and we do have the not-for-profit arm. Uh, our not-for-profit arm at the moment is doing some quite exciting projects. We're working with the North Coast Community Housing and the Office of uh, Environment and Heritage again to put solar on up to, I believe it's at this stage, 50 uh, uh, you know, social housing uh, situations. Um, and providing the residents of those social housing with uh, education on energy use. So we're working very closely on that project at the moment through our not-for-profit arm. We're hoping that that can expand, and in fact we're looking and working closely with uh, Essential Energy on whether we can do a broader sort of approach across the the, uh, the broader Northern Rivers in relation to uh, community housing and getting solar and access to people in those community housings, access to solar. So is that your energy also, coach program, Tony, that, that you were just we, talking we about? Have it. Yep, we have an energy coach program where that, those coaches are working on that. And in fact, we're also, we've just recruited some more coaches because we've just recently launched in uh, conjunction with Zero Emissions Byron and uh, Community Energy, Community Owned Renewable Energy Mullumbimby, a quorum, um, a, a project called Repower Byron where we're utilising the lock the gate um, sort of customer and uh, societal engagement uh, process 
uh, and going on a street-by-street basis and then working with the residents of those streets on providing education, giving them an understanding of how to purchase ethically, giving them an understanding on how to manage their energy, giving them access to uh, uh, going renewable if that's what they want to do, and then you know, effectively accrediting those streets uh, like the Lock the Gate when you come up in the Northern Rivers. And, and in fact, across the country, you see the Lock the Gate signs um, in areas where well, uh, these people will get uh, a repower sign that... Uh, you know, indicates that they've been through that process and are able to do that. Um, and again, all of those projects happening through our not-for-profit arm. So with the the solar PV on social housing, Tony, is that um, done purely as a donation from an over-community or is it on a loan basis? Uh, no, it's actually uh, a three-way piece of work. So the North Coast Community Housing are part funding it. Um, the Office of Environment and Heritage are also part funding it, so we were able to work in a tripartite arrangement with uh, those particular uh, entities to get this off the ground. Um, so again, this is part of what the, the not-for-profit is trying to do, is obviously trying to leverage um, the sort of uh, community funding that can be available, not just through us, but uh, through other entities, and then focus it in the right areas uh, from a, uh, um, you know, both uh, those people in potentially in uh, energy poverty or energy stress, um, but also then to help uh, the renewable uh, move, uh, particularly in this area. So, uh, no, it's been a great project, uh, and Inova is, uh, through our not-for-profit arm, Inova Community, um, is driving that project uh, with those particular um, support from those particular entities. So can I just clarify, uh, with those special cases, is there an element that is straight donation, or is the cost eventually worked back over the um, the cheaper power um, that those customers get? Uh, actually, you've asked a question I'm not going to be able to give you a definitive answer on. My uh, understanding is that the Office of Environment and Heritage money is a grant, mm-hmm. um, so that's not looking to be paid back. The North Coast Community Housing contribution, uh, I'm not 100% positive whether they will be uh, recouping that uh, over time through the rent uh, in, in those properties. I honestly don't know uh, okay. how that's working. <laughs> Sorry, but, um, but certain, certainly our time uh, and our process in that is def- definitely a donation um, through that process. We're not getting uh, any funding for that other than uh, um, we're assisting in the project management as well, which is being funded through the grant through uh, hmm. uh, OEH and NCCH as well. Sounds like a f- fabulous model for, for getting things moving, Tony. Uh, oh, your website also mentions the Renewable Development Initiative. Where does that fit with, with all of your work? So the Re- Re- Renewable Development Initiative is uh, effectively an opportunity for our customers to put some money aside that will go into the development of these projects. Um, at the moment, that fund is sitting at around $25,000 that we've been able to collect and growing. Uh, and when that gets to a, a stage where we believe we've got suitable funding, we'll, we'll go to our community for um, expressions of interest on what we might be able to utilise that money for, and then we'll be able to put that money into particular projects again, which is about uh, advancing the renewable economy. And you yourself have um, been appointed the Managing Director in July. Were you with ANOVA for a while before that? Uh, and what sort of goals have you got for the business? Uh, yes, I was actually on the board since August of 2015, um, and uh, our founding chief executive, who actually came out of retirement, Steve Harris, uh, to get the business up and running, 
Um, he and his wife decided that uh, they wanted to go back into retirement and do a bit more travel. They've got children in Melbourne and grandchildren in Melbourne. Um, so uh, Alison, the chair, asked me if uh, I would be interested in stepping into the role and uh, uh, it didn't take long to decide. This is such an exciting uh, opportunity and an exciting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, from my perspective, uh, uh, the goals we have for the business are to obviously build the business to a sustainable level to grow the business to a point where we are, we've developed the model such that we can actually take it to other communities. We've got lots of community interest, particularly across regional New South Wales, but also uh, into Victoria as well from other communities saying, hey, we'd like Anova to come and be part of our community as well. Um, so we're working through, again, to make sure that that model stays pure and that it's not just, um, you know, a us becoming a little bit bigger um, because it's got to be relevant to those communities where we go. Um, and we are also looking at uh, alternative products um, that will help us um, really compete and help drive this agenda forward. So when we talk a bit about uh, um, the ACCC and the uh, National Energy mm-hmm. Guarantee and the things, um, I can raise some of those issues. But uh, in reality, um, it, to compete just uh, against the big guys in the energy space, just purely on energy, uh, is a, an exceptionally challenging market space. So we've got to mm-hmm. you know, differentiate ourselves, not just on the fact that we're putting back into the community, that we're about renewables and the like, but we've also got a product differentiate ourselves uh, and provide uh, different products, different value propositions to our customers, which we're working on at the moment. And a couple of those that we are working on, we've just recently announced, uh, and we've developed a commercial model for this. We still haven't actually uh, dug any dirt, so to speak, to, to actually start one of these projects off. But we've launched a solar garden, um, which will be aimed at uh, those people who can't uh, currently put solar on their roof. So it could be for renters, it could be for people who currently live in multi-tenant buildings, um, or just for people who don't have roof space or you know their, their, their building their roofs aren't uh, suitable for solar panels. Um, they can buy into the solar garden and uh, they will get a, a rebate off their energy bill, sort of similar to what it would be if you had solar on your roof. We're also developing products uh, for our uh, small to medium enterprise customers that we have, where we're offering to help them, particularly on the, the coaching side, on uh, uh, how they can become more energy efficient, how they can improve their own processes and hence their cost of uh, uh, production in, in, in their businesses. Um, and then we're doing that not just with uh, uh, providing that uh, opportunity in relation to advice, we're then backing it up with a company that we're partnering with um, that will provide the opportunity for them to actually implement that advice and see how quickly that uh, can be paid back through the savings they'll make in their energy. And we're also developing what we're calling a virtual power plant model, uh, which will allow uh, residential customers primarily to uh, um, have access to solar and batteries uh, behind their meters, mm. um, but allows us to uh, control and access those through the, the arrangements, the commercial arrangements we'll have with those customers um, to benefit um, not just those individual customers, but to also benefit the broader community and helping manage um, uh, both the, uh, the network and the, uh, the wholesale costs of energy in the broader community. So uh, mm. that one is progressing quite well that- at the moment, and we're hoping to launch that in the early in the new year. Yeah, there's a number of people doing that and <clears throat> I've got great optimism that that might stop some of the gaming of the system. Um, just briefly, your, your solar garden sounds fantastic and something that's been screaming out to be done. I assume only people locally within your supply area can invest in that meaningfully or not? 
Um, at the moment, I guess we're aiming it at those people because we, we want the thing to be seen as community, again, part of who we are. Um, but the financial model works for um, others at the moment in the essential energy area because we're not working outside of the essential energy area just yet. Um, but as we move forward into, uh, say, the Osgrid and Endeavour areas, it will work in those areas as well. Uh, it is uh, a portable product, so if, you, if you're a renter and you move rental uh, location, you can take the product with you. It, it's not necessarily uh, assigned to the particular premise you're living in, um, and it's also a saleable product. So if you decide to sell your share in the solar garden, you mm. can look to sell your share in the solar garden. So difference to, you know, it's got some different characteristics to uh, putting solar on your house. Obviously, that adds capital value to your house. But if you sell the house, it stays with the house and you move on and, and, mm. and you've left it behind. Thanks, Tony. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Tony Pfeiffer from Inova Energy. So, Tony, in October this year, you published an article in Renew Economy about the government's recently announced energy plan, the the National Energy Guarantee or the NEG. Firstly, can you give listeners who may not be aware a a bit of an idea of the substance of the plan? Uh, Well, yes, the uh, National Energy Guarantee, as it's called, is uh, about trying to ensure um, the stability of the uh, national energy market um, uh, and avoid scenarios uh, like the government are claiming uh, occurred in South Australia. And uh, the unfortunate part, as I mentioned in my uh, article in uh, Renew Economy, is that they are claiming the South Australian scenario that occurred uh, late last year uh, was a consequence of uh, uh, too much wind or too much renewables on the system. It was actually a uh, protection failure, which if that protection had failed on a gas-fired generator, the system still would have gone black. So um, to blame renewables is somewhat of a a leap of uh, political... uh, um, you know, spruiking, I believe, but uh, so so we we tried to make that point, um, but but nonetheless, fact, you could almost argue, Tony, that the um the the freakish storm that blew those towers over was probably the fact that we haven't moved, <coughs> sorry, haven't moved faster in that direction, and that we can expect more of that. Well, ab- absolutely, and uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, digressing just a little, I'll come back. Um, that sort of to us also highlights the need for the sort of community-based sort of uh, model that we're trying to move to where you're actually putting the generation uh, of the power through small-scale, you know, community-owned or privately owned and then shared sort of economy arrangements uh, at the source of where the energy is being used and indeed reducing the reliance on those major uh, pieces of infrastructure which have the risk of failure as we saw in, in South Australia. Uh, and so, yes, there was a uh, you know, conflagration of a whole range of events that uh, caused the problems in South Australia and to purely just blame um, the fact that it was renewables, I think, is quite a furphy. And uh, I did try and make that point in that article around the National Energy Guarantee. And the, the other parts of it is, uh, of course, they're saying, well, it's not a trading scheme. We're not going to have renewable energy targets. However, um, state-based regulators will set um, contractual targets for all retailers to buy a certain amount of what they're calling firm energy, um, and firm energy could be coal, gas, could be hydro, so there's at least some uh, degree of renewable opportunity mm-hmm. in that. Um, it could also be I mean, biogas, uh, some of those things fit in uh, uh, dispatchable energy, they call it, so yep. that it is, if, if the market says we need it today uh, or to, you know, in the next five minutes, it can be up and running and it can be dispatched into the market and be reliable. And then they're also saying that retailers will have to go and purchase uh, uh, an amount of energy to make sure we meet our Paris Climate Accord uh, uh, obligations um, on the renewable side. 
Now, that's well and good for the big guys uh, who are vert- vertically integrated. Uh, they have uh, you know, both major power stations um, uh, as part of their business, and they have a significant customer base on the other end. Um, but for a small scale and for the small uh, retailers competing in this space, uh, it really, I think, is sort of uh, misunderstanding how the competition is currently working, particularly at that small end of town. And it's got the real potential to, in fact, uh, reduce that level of competition. Um, the uh, Kerry Shot uh, recently did a, uh, sort of head of the uh, Security Council, uh, recently did a webinar last week on the National Energy Guarantee and making some fairly broad assumptions, in, in, even in her opening remarks, that all retailers currently contract for energy now. That's not correct. Um, there is a effectively a wholesale market which retailers can, if they choose, and most choose a portion of their energy anyway, to be actually purchased just directly out of that market. So there is no bilateral contract with any other party other than the fact that you are registered in the national electricity market and the market operator, AEMO, will bill you for the energy that you consume through that market uh, or that you on-sell through that market based on the way the market operates. So um, in Anova's case, yes, we have some uh, bilateral contracts in place to help mitigate the risk of the high pool prices that we saw in uh, February of this year, but we're not uh, 100% contracted and neither would... uh, pretty well most of the small retailers be 100% contracted. So what they're saying now is that we will have to potentially go and contract with our competition um, for um, both firm and green to ensure that we are covered um, under this national energy guarantee. And as we find now, even when we want to go and buy um, large-scale green certificates because there is a trading market, as a small player, when we go into the market to buy, we are buying blocks of... uh, large-scale green certificates that are smaller than what most of the the parties want to sell. Mm. And so because we're buying smaller blocks, we buy that at a higher price. Um, And again, when smaller uh, competitive retailers are going to want to operate under this National Energy Guarantee, we'll be going to counter-parties. Most of them are the major uh, parties, uh, particularly for firm capacity, um, and sort of seeking small amounts of... uh, uh, contractual arrangements with them, their cost of delivering those small amounts uh, are about the same as the cost of what they would be doing from a, a large amount in relation to their uh, actual cost of delivering those contracts. Mm. Um, and so they will, they will be charging premiums for it, which puts pressure on the smaller guys to stay in business and allows the bigger guys to effectively force them out of business. So it is a, a severe I, impact on, on people like you. What, Australia's interests as a whole, what are your comments on the NEG with respect to that? I've trying to turn my thinking around on the neg, and, and uh, I, I like to be a very positive person. I like to see opportunity rather than problem. And so over time, I've been thinking about this, and actually I do believe that if the small players, the uh, innovative players like Anova and others in the market can see this as an opportunity, then we can start to actually use it to accelerate the, uh, the shift to a renewable uh, economy. Um, and in saying that, things like the virtual power plant will give us access to that firm capacity that we can do. So if we can start to roll out uh, solar and batteries and and, and provide our um, firm capacity through that, then it's actually going to help us, I believe, accelerate that opportunity. So as I say, I've started to turn a little bit since I wrote that article to see, well, what is it we can do? How can we make this work if it's going to go ahead? I think there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge before the federal government gets this through. 
Um, but we're going to start to position ourselves now so that we can continue to be, um, you know, as renewable as we can. Our aim is to be uh, you know, 100% renewable uh, and to meet whatever policy objectives that come in place. Uh, uh, it, it's a challenge. Uh, I think you opened up with one of your comments about uh, um, the policy and, and the policy framework we work in. Because the policy framework continually shifts, it does make it difficult. But uh, we've just got to have a single focus on um, what it is we're about, who we are and where we want to go. And that's about uh, take, making that transition to the renewable economy. We believe that transition uh, is going to come from community movements and be based in the community. Uh, and so that's where we're going to go. And we think we can adapt anything that we do to, to policy rather than wait for policy. We can't wait. Okay. Tony, as usual in these, this show, things just get really interesting and we run out of time. We've got probably less than three minutes, I think. We'd just like to quickly address the ACC on the policy front. Um, the, and over this year made, made a submission to the ACCC Retail Electricity Pricing Inquiry. The final report's not due until mid-2018, but there's meanwhile a preliminary report on September 2017 that said, in part, we have found there is insufficient competition in the generation and retail markets, which both raises prices and increases barriers to entry. We've also found that retail price deregulation has benefited some and hurt others. The market's exceptionally complex and consumers have no ability to exit the market. What are your comments on this? Did it surprise you? And what was the substance of Anova's submission? It certainly doesn't surprise me. And indeed, uh, I was somewhat... Uh um, heartened by the fact that the ACCC had picked up on that because our certain response was that, yes, uh, as a small player in the market, and and and, and I, I know I half a little bit on that, but the small players are needed to create the competition to give the customers the choice and the opportunity to do something different. We can't all be the you know the big uh, oligopolies of the, 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 the major three uh, parties that operate in this energy market. Um, and so, yes, I absolutely agree. We made some points um, around the... Uh, the the particular competitive aspects, both on the bilateral contract side, not only for purchasing large-scale green certificates, even if we then go into the marketplace to purchase a secondary contract at the moment to secure our risk against the wholesale market, we're normally buying very, very small amounts, which the counterparties are much more interested in selling, you know, tens of megawatts of capacity capacity versus megawatts of capacity. Um, and so we end up buying that at a risk premium um, because we're small, so it, it costs us more. So again, they talk about there's a liquid market, but it's not really a liquid mm. market for the small players, which is, it makes it very challenging for us. Um, and yes, the, the, the uh, opportunity that the vertically integrated uh, large-scale operatives have to play both sides of the market. So if indeed... Um, the uh, retail margins are being squeezed. It's potentially they're making, and more than likely they're making their money on the generation side. The generation side is being uh, squeezed and they're making their money on the retail side. They can manage that portfolio. Uh, as a small player at the moment, it's not vertically integrated. As I indicated through our uh, things like our solar garden, our virtual power plant, we're looking to uh, you know get ourselves some interest in generation um, at that small scale, which will help us vertically integrate. But currently, as a small player in this market, without that vertical integration, we are very much behind the eight ball. And to have the ACCC recognise that, I think, is actually a very good thing. Terrific. Thank you, Tony. That's all we've got time for today. So thanks very much for your time. No worries. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Quite elucidating. Thank you. We've been speaking to Tony Pfeiffer from Anova Energy. If you'd like further information, just Google Anova Energy or Renew Economy to or the NEG to find out more about those topics.
The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others that we've done, then you can go to our website, bze.org.au, and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and would like to donate, please go to the BZE website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and hope we'll catch you again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.